0: are here this morning out on a nice warm day. Uh, boy, what weather we've had. But we're grateful that at least the wind's not blowing hard today and it's nice. So we just hope that we'll be a blessing to you today. I want to thank for all of you, a number of you who prayed for uh, me and Carol. Uh, we had uh, the bug, whatever it was, the respiratory problem, and uh, knocked me down for a couple weeks. So I'm a little rusty. So if I kind of hesitate a little bit, just say a little prayer for me. I'd appreciate that. <clears throat> I was, uh, this past uh, week, I was uh, reading this uh, Arthur, and he was saying that uh, what we should do in Christendom is that we should just believe that Noah's flood was just a local flood. And if we would do that, then the rest of society then would agree more with that than a universal flood. And uh, so that got me thinking. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that this morning if I could. So the title of my sermon is God's Judgment on a Wicked World. And sometimes we do think man gets by with it, but man never gets by with it. Uh, Payday someday, as R.G. Lee used to always say. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 14 says this, "And also that nation whom they shall serve, that nation is Egypt, they is Israel, will I judge. He's going to judge Egypt, and afterward shall they come out, Israel will with great sustenance, sustenance. But in the fourth generation, after four hundred years of captivity, they shall come hither again. Now get this, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. A lot of people says, uh, why does Israel own this land? Well, there were people in the land, but God allowed their sin to go to its fullest. And because of their sin, God swept them away and gave Israel that land. And so, but... I'm sure the Ammonites, they thought they were getting by with it, but it just wasn't full yet. And our society seems like it's getting by with a whole lot of stuff right now, doesn't it? But it will get full one day, and then God's hand will come down. So let's just look at it a little bit. In Genesis chapter 6, we'll see God's evaluation here. In chapter 6, verse 3 and following. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. As God looked down upon mankind and saw the evilness, the wickedness of mankind, he discerned that mankind was satanically controlled. Man's depravity had hit rock bottom. There was anarchy against God. Uh, There were intervening Satan spirits that were intervening within mankind. And the world, it was a complete corruption that had taken place. Now, the current population at this time, from Adam to Abraham, was 1,500 years And they all lived longer back then. They lived hundreds of years old back then a lot of times. And so they had lots of children. And uh, Dr. Henry Morris believes that when the flood took place, there were three, at least three billion people up on the earth. So there were many, many people, and all of them, it seems like, had gone down the depravity road. But then God's heartbreak in verse 6 Says this, and it repented the Lord. And by the word, the word repent just means he changed his mind. Repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Man's sinfulness so grieved God that he changed his mind, not his character. He changed his mind in how he would deal with man because of man's sin. And it would be conditional upon how man responded to God. But they hadn't responded very well, had they? So in verse 7 he says this, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. There we see God's justice there. He decided to terminate mankind. Since God had made man, he had the right to take man out if he wanted to. But even before the flood, God <clears throat> had had a door of grace open. But the problem was, man would not believe in God. And as a result, they never walked through that door. In verse 8, we see God's grace. He says this But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Out of all the families of the earth, a partial part of one family, Noah's family was the only exception. There's no question in my mind that Satan wanted to destroy everybody, including Noah and his family, but God protected him and kept him safe. Now the word grace there in that verse, that's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. And it's the favor of God upon a person. For by grace are you saved. I am what I am by the favor of God, the grace of God. Some people believe that this section here that we're reading, they actually believe that it was Noah who wrote this particular part because he had experienced this. Then we see God's joy in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Here's a man in the midst of all the debauchery going on. This man here, he had a testimony, even in this wicked society. It says three things about him. He was just, he was perfect, and he walked with God. He was just. He had a right standing before God. The reason is, He had faith. He believed in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he pleased God because he had faith. Then it says he was perfect. That doesn't mean he was uh, sinless. It just means he was mature. He was above reproach. He lived for God a consistent life. And then he walked with God, it says there. I haven't changed. I still keep losing my pants. <laughs> he walked with God. Noah had a daily life. He had a godly lifestyle, having intimacy with God. Now those three things, you think about it, he was just perfect, and he walked with God. That shows that grace is sufficient to save. He's just, is sufficient to grow. He's perfect and is sufficient to stand. He walked with God, even in the evil society and difficult time that it was. Then we see God's sorrow in verse 11 and 12. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked up on the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. How much? All flesh had corrupted his way up on the earth. Mankind had such a perfect beginning, didn't he? Perfect paradise. No sin. Now it comes to this. Here we see that they had allowed their depravity just to run loose, uncontrolled. Mankind's at his worst. And not only that, there were certain angels who took on physical form and went into the daughters of men trying to corrupt the gene pool in the world. And then uh, see God's decision in verse 13 and 17. And God said unto Noah, "'The end of all flesh has come before me, "'for the earth is filled with violence through them, "'and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. "'And behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters "'upon the earth to destroy all flesh.'" wherein there is breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. That's the judgment of God. You know, mankind can only mock God so long. And God said that's enough. I don't know how much longer he can take America. You know that? But one day it will be over. But even though they're mocking God, yet still, God showed his mercy. He showed his mercy to the family of Noah. Now, Noah at this time is about 500 years of age. I believe he had lots of children personally, but he only mentions his three sons. And in this area, I believe it's because they were the ones that believed. Here he has, it's counting Noah, His wife, three sons, and their wives. Eight people out of three billion people. And this once again reveals how wickedness had infected even Noah's family members. But God still showed mercy. Chapter 6, verse 18 says this, But with thee, Noah, will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife. And thy sons wives with thee. And then first Peter chapter 3, verse 8, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, uh, preparing, wherein a few, that is, how many? Eight souls were saved by water. So God showed mercy to these eight people. He also showed mercy to the rest of the world. You know, God, he gave the world, when he decided to destroy the world, still 120 years for them to believe. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to destroy the world, and he still gave mankind 120 years. Chapter uh, Genesis 6-3 says this. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. That's generally taken, that's how long it took for Noah to build the ark. But it was important, 120 years of God's mercy to mankind, even after he decided to destroy an entire world. Now, I want you to see God's global universal flood. In chapter 7, verse 11 and 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day, were all the foundations of the great deep broken up, that's all underneath, and the windows of heaven. Now remember, back then they believed There was a water canopy around the earth, and that's why the earth was a paradise. It was warm everywhere, up on the whole earth. And he broke those waters up. They came down, and the waters from below came down. And it states, and the windows of heaven were open, and the rain rain was up on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, a lot of people, what they've done, they've tried to make this a local flood, like I said a little bit earlier on. But the Bible says otherwise, doesn't it? Let me give you some reasons why it was not a local flood. Number one, the need of the ark. If only local, why did Noah need to build the ark? He could have traveled to escape. He could travel at least 12 miles a day Pretty simple. And in six months, he could have gone 2,000 miles. In 120 years, he could have gone around the earth a few times. So why need an ark just travel a little bit if it were local? Number two, the size of the ark was big enough to carry all the different kinds of land animals. If only a local flood and local animals The ark didn't need to be that big. It could have been much smaller if it was just a certain locale. Number three, the need for animals to be on the ark. If it was just local, why did God send the animals to the ark to escape death? God could have, if he wanted to, send the animals to a non-flooding area, right? He could have sent them there. Uh, Or if it was just local... He could just allow those local animals to die and animals of the same kind elsewhere could have reproduced without any problem. But notice Genesis 7, 9 says this. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And in the next verse, I didn't have it on there, it showed that God sent the animals to the ark. Noah didn't have to go collect them. God sent them to him. And so I think it's just uh, ridiculous to think it would be local. Also, the need of the birds to be on the ark. If it was a local flood, they simply could fly to a nearby range. Birds can fly miles away. And then we know the judgment was universal. It was God's judgment upon all flesh, right? All men's sin. Now, get to, don't miss this. If it were just local, the multitude of sinners outside the flood zone wouldn't be affected, and their sins would not have been judged. If it were just a local flood. But God said, I'm judging all flesh, all over this world, did he not? Jesus even said in Matthew twenty four, thirty-seven, but as the days of Noah, so were also the coming shall also be uh, shall I can't speak, the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That right there is a prophetic future judgment at the end of the tribulation. But he's shown that Noah's flood was not partial, but it was total. And when God returns to the earth one day, it will be total judgment again. The water's depth if local how could the waters rise 20 feet above the mountains Genesis 7:20 says this 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered Do you know that water seeks its own level It couldn't just rise up partially over these mountains and not affect the rest of the world Amen That's just simple. Then the duration of the flood. Noah and his family were on the ark for one year and ten days. Chapter 7, verse 11. I know I'm giving you a lot of verses. I'm sorry. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the foundations of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And then in chapter 8, verse 13, and it came to pass the 600th and first year in the first day of the month, the first day of the month, the waters, go on and say it, guys. Can you turn it? Well, they receded, okay? They were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and lo and behold, the face of the ground was dry. An entire year on the ark, Isn't that an excessive amount of time for a local flood? It was seven months before the tops of the mountains were visible. How could they drift around in a local flood for so long, seeing no mountains or land? Impossibility. And the last thing here is this here. God's promise, it was a Terminology of total judgment. It was global. These are the last bunch of verses I give you. Genesis 6, 7 says this. He will destroy man whom I have created from off the what? The face of the earth. Verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them that... Through them, and behold, I will destroy them. Who? Everybody up on the face of the earth. Is that total? Chapter 8, verse 9. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him in the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. There we have the birds. Couldn't find a place to land on. Why? It's all covered with, with water. Chapter 7, verse 21 and following. And all flesh, all flesh, what? All people on the earth died that moved up on the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts, of every creeping thing that creepeth up on the earth and every man and in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was up on the face of the ground, both man cattle and the creeping things and fowls and so on, destroyed. Only Noah remained alive and that they were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. So total judgment, called to totally kill everybody, took a total flood over all the whole earth. Psalmist says it like this, Psalm 104, thou covers it with the deep, the oceans, as with a garment, the waters stood above the mountains. Hello. At thy rebuke, they fled. At the, the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away, dried it up. They go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys, the ocean basins, unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass the oceans over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. So it just shows us that it was not a local flood. God gave man a new beginning, a new fresh start after all man had done. That's the grace of God. Now the application is simple. For us, like Noah and his family, they lived in a terrible world, culture, society to live in. It was awful. But he lived for God in faith. And that tells me something. We live, we're living in a more cultural evil than ever before. Yet, it can be done. You can live for God. Even if you're the only family, you can live for God. Thank God there's more of us, right? But you can live for God. Now, these flood. this flood shows us something. It's truths that are important. Number one, the flood shows evolution is a lie. That's important. The fossil record is not the result of millions of years of geological records according to evolution. But the fossil record and geological records are the testimony of God's rapid formation through his flood judgment upon man's sin. That's where it comes from. Regardless of what These professors and other people are trying to teach our young people. That's what the Bible teaches. The second thing shows that God does punish sin. The wages of sin is death. But God is merciful. Even after they loaded up the ark for seven days, that ark door stayed open. It was man's last opportunity. And when that door shut, it was too late for them. The flood shows also God does give an invitation before he has his judgment. That's proven by Enoch, who preached righteousness, and then Noah for all those years. So man had no excuse for not being on that ark or believing. For the flood shows God rewards faith in him. Noah found grace from God's word, and he was saved. From the flood's judgment, no matter how high that water got, that ark stayed above that water. Amen? (laughs) And today, Jesus Christ is the ark of salvation. And the only way for you to be saved and go to heaven one day is to get in him. Now, how do you get in him? There's a door, and it's open. And it says, come. Now, the way you come, you have to come in faith. Faith in what? That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins, your sins, was buried, and he rose again. And based upon him and that work alone, if you will believe in your heart, God will wash away your sins, give you eternal life, and you'll be in the ark of salvation. Now, if you haven't done that, don't allow that door to shut before it's too late. You need to get in the ark today by believing in Jesus Christ. And you can do that in your seat right now, right where you sit, if you mean it in your heart. You're telling you believe. But also, lastly, my whole point of all these verses and everything, if they even made sense to you, The flood shows God's word is true. Amen? It shows that God's word is true. No matter what man says contrary to it, you can take this book, the Bible, and you can take it to the bank. (laughs) You can believe it for your eternal soul. What God says is true. And if man says something, that is contrary to what God says, trust what God says. We've just seen is a worldwide flood easily. Many verses there. And so when you hear all these other things, don't get all shook up. You know, four billion years ago. Eh, not gonna, it didn't happen that way. Just trust what the book says. You see, what they're saying is God's word is untrue. Thus, God's word is not the authority. What I say is the authority. And they're putting man over God himself. And that's a problem. That makes people mad, by the way. All I can say is let them be mad. Amen. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. The wonderful thing is God's showing his mercy. After the flood, he put a rainbow in the sky. And that rainbow's there just to remind man, to remind man that he will never, ever destroy the world by flood ever again. He did it once. He's never going to do it again. And boy, sometimes in the spring and the summer, you know, you're out, you see that rainbow come out. That's God talking to us. You know, I mean, that's God's talking to us. He said, hey, Remember what I said? <laughs> we can trust that. We know this. He's not going to destroy the world by a flood. Next time it's going to be by fire. Amen. <laughs> That's what he says. And I just hope that you and I in our life will come to a decision like Noah did. It says in Hebrews eleven seven. he says this, By faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, never had seen rain, moved with fear, he went by faith, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Even though the world was going a different direction, God said something things said, I'm going to believe God. And because he believed God, he went God's way, God delivered him physically, but also delivered him spiritually, and not just him, but part of his family. And as an older person, our families are depending on us to say that we live by the faith of what God's Word says. Father, we love you with all our hearts. I just pray you you just... Help us to have the faith in your word and what it actually says. Thank you for the people coming out on a cold morning. Thank you that we see that's going to start becoming warmer, and we praise you for that. But just may we not forget you, God, in the midst of our hustle and bustle, going to and fro. May we always hold your word up high and lift it up. May we see you as Isaiah saw you, high and lifted up. May we fall on our face and say, woe is me. But he came to the conclusion, here I I am, Lord, send me. Use me for your glory. May our faith be that way. Thank you for our people here. We love them in Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you, is our prayer.